What's up, y'all? Thank you for tuning in to Playback Appeal. My name is Aaron. I'm Sean. And we are the Rap Geeks. Today, we got... And for another decade in review, Marshall Mathers LP. So before we start, you know, we got to let, let's talk about the album itself. It dropped May 23rd, 2000, exactly 10 years ago. It 20 was years ago, after- 20 years ago. Oh, I am, a, I am fucking not even in today right now, but yeah, 20 years ago. Thank you. Uh, so it dropped on Aftermath and Interscope Records. It was Eminem's third studio album following the Slim Shady LP and the Slim Shady EP. Whew, the year 2000, huh? Hey, doesn't it make you feel old? Just like remembering, just thinking, damn, like this album really came out two years ago. I mean, 20 years it, ago. It does. I, and I got to be honest with you. I never even really revisited this album until we decided to do this. And, and the last time I heard it was when it came out. I was on my CD player and I was seven years old. And so hearing some of these sounds really brought back just that moment in my life, which is tripping me out as I was listening to it. I don't know if you had that same experience with it. Definitely not, because when I was seven years old, uh, I don't think I was allowed to listen to Eminem or it wasn't really in my it wasn't in my CD collection. That's for sure. I think it was mainly Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears and the Muppets. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, I, <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. And VeggieTales. What? You, Man, you I know thought Veggie that Tales? was. A- I know VeggieTales, but I thought that was like a generation after you. What? Oh, okay. Man, uh, I feel it, though. Okay, okay. So, you know, so we don't, we're not going to go track by track. You know what I mean? But let's go through the first song, which is pretty much a public service announcement. He, he generally has these public service announcements on, on his albums. Um, and one thing that I notice and... The energy, you know, not not energy, but what you notice in the very first track and every single song afterwards is there's so many little vocal ad-libs that that you always hear. If you really pay attention to it, there's so many. There's some there's a main vocal and then you hear uh, Eminem's ad-libs on the side. And so, you know, that that's something that you hear first off from from the very first song. And so that's something that I really appreciated from this whole album. I don't know if you caught that. No, for sure. And and the thing about the ad-libs is uh, these are extremely well-done ad-libs, mainly because, uh, or, or at least skits, because these skits are him doing impersonations yeah. of other people yeah. talking about him. And the really interesting thing is how degrading he is to himself in each of these mm-hmm. skits. And, and that's almost the theme of the album is him dealing with all this pressure and all this self-hate that he's going that, through. And that's... That's a theme. That's Eminem's theme. I mean, that's Eight Mile essentially, right? Yeah, it's almost as if this dude had to do that because uh, he needed to get out every single potential insult that was going to be thrown at him before yeah. it does, just but so he always has the, the upper hand. Think about the pressure that that he had at the time. You know, I mean, there wasn't really. He was the only white rapper. Considered Ice. a rapper because what there were vanilla? other people. What about Vanilla Ice? Look, look, man. 
you know, that was a uh, that food never got any respect until uh no, that food never that food never had respect, bro. But I promise you that song slaps. Like I was listening to it the other day. Ice Ice Baby. But but no, but also one thing that was that kind of that really uh kind of messed things up for Eminem was this was the boy band era. You mm. know what I mean? And so at the time Eminem was pretty much a pop star of the likes of a Justin Timberlake or a Britney Spears, you know what I mean? And and Christina Aguilera and he talks about these people in this album. And, you know, being in that space you you battle some kind of uh you know i would think you battle uh credibility you know what i mean when you're in the pop space like that so right. that had a lot of pressure on him you know what i mean and yeah so yeah dude um i think generally um let, let's actually no no let's get into the first song kill you mm-hmm. what are your thoughts so I think right off the bat, what makes the Marshall Mathers LP uh, really stand out is, do you remember a genre called horrorcore? Like, are you familiar with it? Like, when I think yeah. of horrorcore, I think of, like, Insane Clown Posse. And, you know, I'm in no yeah. way comparing the two. But uh, Right, right. I think, do you, so do you consider this album a horrorcore? Yeah, I think it's uh, as mainstream as a horrorcore yeah. album can go what and would the, mainstream huh so yeah. what would be the difference between this album and a 36 chambers wu-tang clan because they pretty much discuss very similar topics but there's something but i and and i know on wikipedia you know the this album is labeled horrorcore but when you but wikipedia calls 36 chambers hardcore hip-hop now what is what is that line between a hardcore hip-hop and a horrorcore is it because he's white? Yeah, it, no, it's it's <laughs> no, it's because uh, I would have to say the lyrical content and what makes horrorcore different than hardcore hip hop. Hip hop is that <laughs> these lyrics within the Marshall Mathers LP are very personal to him. It's almost as if mm. he's really giving oh. you uh, a little view into what his life is like, and at least the thoughts he's having, and the fact that he's willing to, willing to be so vulnerable about these thoughts and willing to let you into his deepest, darkest thoughts <laughs> is what really, yeah. you know, rose Eminem to the to the pinnacle of hip hop. Mm. Yeah, I'm I mean, you, we'll I'm we'll get into it, but like for instance, uh, you know, a couple songs like the one you mentioned, "Kill You" or Kim, uh, these are like songs that are just so vulgar and brutal, and it almost reminds me of like a, of a me- of a more like a death metal type of theme to him. In that he's so <clears throat> willing to talk about how he's, I mean, the lyrics are crazy, man. Like he he talks a lot about how sick yeah. of a twisted fuck he is because yeah. he rapes his mom and he you know wants to mm-hmm. kill his uh, girlfriend. Yeah, it's but crazy part of me stuff. feels like part of me feels like that. I wonder if that came from the battle rap, you know, his battle rap experience, right? Like if you're if you're roasting a motherfucker um, live in front of all these people, you might end up saying some outlandish stuff like that to because it's a attention grabber. You talk about a dude, you 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 trash his outfit, you trash his mom, you trash his family, you trash his girl. You know what I mean? And right. so I I think part of that comes from that. And even that, I would I would mention that it's a lot of yelling on this album. Oh, for sure, dude. And uh, 
And that's and you know what the yelling aspect. Listen, I hate to be stereotypical, but it's something that white rappers do a lot. And it might and be well. the rock and do well. I'll give him that. You know, aside <laughs> yeah. from uh, you know the the newer era of yelling rappers like XXX Tentacion. Um, it seemed like oh, what for was a that while, one cat? What was that one cat, cat that did? Uh, Den, uh, Denzel Curry. And Denzel Curry. So give yeah. give them those those two in terms of the modern era. For sure, but even even like stuff like Machine Gun Kelly, right? Even uh, even in general, whenever I think of um, like white rappers in general, they have this tendency to to be overtly aggressive about uh, del- their delivery, and and it mm. might be because they, you know, I just feel like they got a little less chill than than African Americans. They're they're a little bit more yeah. uh, a little bit more pent up teenage angst going on. Yeah. It's got to be. But I mean, even I think there's something to say about no matter where a white rapper is from in America, they all come with that vibe. So, you know, I don't want to, you know, say maybe some suburban teen angst. Yeah. Um, you know, because um, I mean, Detroit is it's Detroit. <laughs> you know what I mean? We know. Right. The dude's from a tough place, man. Trailer park. Right. You know what I mean? So I mean, if, if if the trailer park don't don't bring that out of you, I don't know what will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you know, getting back to the album itself, um, I mean, you asked me what your opinion of was of Kill You, and I mean, do you have an opinion on it, or you just want to ask my opinion? Oh no, yeah. So one thing that really stood out to me about that particular song is the production, and the reason why is it has this weird stutter. You know what I mean? Right. It it does that, and I mean, if you if you sit and listen to it close to, you know, for a while, you it does get kind of tired. But at the same time, I think M did a wonderful job rapping on it, and every single second, and it's not just this song, but for the most part, every single second, something's going on. Again, whether it be a bar or an ad lib, and I think that was the intention. For almost every song in this album, there isn't a for the most part there isn't a dry moment. Yeah, for sure. And and another thing, just about this song in particular, but you see this in other songs, is uh, this dichotomy of the playfulness of the production on top of mm. the seriousness Ooh. of his delivery, and just like it's almost yeah. like you're taking like what you mentioned, like that is a. Uh, it almost sounds yeah. like that could be something that I hear at a circus. But then I'm hearing Eminem huh. talking about how he's gonna fucking kill you on top of yeah. overlaid on top of this production. You know what? You I'm glad you brought that up. The playfulness in the production because uh, uh, we'll get into this later. But for Bitch Please Part Two, if you listen to Bitch Please Part One, mm-hmm. it's the sounds change. It's essentially the same beat. Uh, certain melodies still the. Like a variation of that still is it plays in both of those tracks, but the it, but the, the synthesizer changes and the the overall vibe changes and and anytime <laughs> and it's funny because playful production is probably the best way to kind of to kind of put it for somebody like Eminem, the way that and we'll we'll get into that when we when we hit that, but you know the real Slim Shady, the way that beat sounds, um and. And a handful of other songs. Yeah, we'll, it's, we'll, it's, and yeah. what is that? There's some kind of horn instrument going on with the... Uh, is that a horn instrument, I believe? 
Are we talking about a kid? Uh, on which on the real about? Slim Shady. Um, oh, dun, 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 dun. I think it's it sounds like a medieval string instrument, and there's a lot of strings on this album, whether it be a guitar, obviously orchestra. I think Dr. Dre at the time, you know what I mean? He was heavy into orchestral instrumentation. Right. Um, and and so I think that for that particular song, it's I, it's like some playful jester type of guitar. That is what it sounds like or something like that. I don't even know right. the name of it, but I know I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about a different uh, song. It might have been Who Knew. Yeah, yeah. I think I was thinking about it. Right, there, right. there is a song on here with horns. But, yeah, so interesting that you bring it up. Uh, Dr. Dre as the primary producer of the album. Uh, you know what? To me, to me, he used this album as a way to really expand upon what he normally produces because mm. i mean didn't he just produce uh what is it the dre uh 2000 album yeah like yeah, right so around the time of this but mm-hmm. the production is is nothing similar and i think eminem gave him a chance to really expand upon what he normally yeah. does because he had such an experimental rapper to work with right yep uh, the first and my first round of listening to this i was like my instinct was this feels like beats that didn't make the chronic 2001 i would disagree with that yeah yeah right and then i heard it i listened to it some more and then i listened to the chronic 2001 and was like okay i don't i don't agree with that but there is something to say about that style that dre pretty much had made you know um and and so that that was something interesting. Again, I don't agree that they sound the same or they're like Not leftover beats or anything. Yeah. But th- there's a distinct style that Dr. Dre pretty much made around that time. You know. Um, yeah. So the next song, one of the singles, one of the more probably I'd say one of the most popular Eminem songs. I mean, as as far as I know, like out of his whole catalog talking, of people that grew up Stan? with me. Are you talking about Stan? Yes, sir. Talking about Stan. Right. Stan is, uh, here's the thing. It's not one of the top, I don't even know. Is it a single? I don't even know if it's a single. Uh, yeah, it was I'm a single. S- it was a single. Okay, so Stan was a single. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it, as far as, like, I, I would say it, it doesn't, it's not as big as, like, The Way I Am or The Real Slim Shady, but definitely number three right there is mm-hmm. is uh, is Stan. And, and Stan is a track where, um, as you know, I think it's Ditto. I'm going to say Ditto. The original is so beautiful. It's yeah. so beautiful hearing the original. Never and then hearing it. Eminem on it, I was yeah. I was impressed how much justice he actually served on that track. Mm-hmm. Oh, they, they did a beautiful job on this track. And even the whole album, a, a big part of why I actually really love this album is a reason why I really love Views by Drake. There's just so many, there's so much ambient noise and they do it really well. Uh, and especially for Stan, so mm-hmm. much detail that Dre put into that song. I would think it's him. Um, and what's interesting about a lot of these songs is the way it sounds when you listen to it at the lowest volume, just enough, literally like the first volume setting, you could right. still hear almost every sound clearly. And one mm-hmm. one of Dr. Dre's techniques for mixing is he plays the sh- the song super loud you know and and so how how the song sounds loud and how the song sounds at its most quiet you know what i mean and so there's just something about that that you no matter how you no matter what medium you're hearing the song headphones or speakers 
um, studio monitors, everything really goes through the track. The every every single detail of the track really goes through. I don't know yeah, if you know no. that. Yeah. It, it, as far as uh, sampling a non-hip-hop record, you know, sampling something that's even more on the commercial pop side, even the more UK commercial pop side, Stan is the best example of how to do it correctly. Mm-hmm. And so big applause. One of my favorites off the album by far. Um, mm-hmm. It's such a good rendition that when you play the original people think it's the m like people assume that mm-hmm. you're gonna play the eminem version before you play the original yeah. that's how you know you did it right right um if if you listen to the here's another note about the song that i really appreciated was as the story goes on on the in the third verse and i want to talk about that having right. three verses and a chorus um <laughs> <laughs> so after the after um the second chorus you know, you got Stan recording himself in his car with his, you know, with his girlfriend in the trunk. And, oh, yeah. and and if you caught it, the actual vocals, they sound different, right? Mm. So before he's rapping in, I mean, uh, he's writing the letters in his room. And then you hear the, you hear the, the scribbles in the background, you know what I mean? Off, uh, panned off to the right. You hear the scribbles as he's talking. And then in the third verse, the vocals start to get dry. And it, and it sounds like he's inside of a car. And even below that level, you can hear windshield wipers and obviously you got the rain going on. And so all of that, surprisingly, wasn't too distracting. It, and, and I think it, it really added to the song, the theatrics of the song. No, it's always surprising how much attention to detail um, is put. Because here's the thing, man. A lot of these songs, the production is quite monotonous just because that's just how hip-hop was back then. You would just play a 16, I mean, you would just play the loop over and over again for the whole song. But Dr. Dre, he he's so finely attuned to the details that that's what really makes this album so incredible despite that some of these tracks are, you know, they're loops. Mm-hmm. There's nothing really crazy going on in terms of the shift, but... Mm-hmm. Just as you mentioned, just that just that attention to detail is is unparalleled. Yeah, and and so I, I want to get to this point before I forget, man. But for, for almost every song in this album, they they use the traditional song structure, which is so foreign in today's music. We're talking chorus verse, chorus verse, chorus verse, and then maybe mm-hmm. another chorus at the end, and. And that just, and having listened to this album front to back, you know, that surprisingly enough, I didn't, that didn't bore me or anything like that. And again, like every single moment, there isn't a dry moment in that album. Just You you never got bored from hearing the chorus over and over again. Like that's so foreign in today's hip hop music where choruses are so much less prevalent than they were back then and and, and when listening to this album right. kind of reminded me like damn they really what i mean what they really try to do is hit you hard with that chorus to where even if you don't like the song it's gonna stick with you because of how of right. the repetition of hearing that chorus over and over again and mm-hmm. eminem's fluctuating vocals and his storytelling all on top of it just kind of yeah. gets you really stuck on this album yeah, and I mean the fact that Eminem's such a personality. He's he's playing different characters. He's doing the choruses and the verses and the ad libs. He's doing everything, 
and so you you couldn't not too many people can do that to be honest mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah so. yeah i mean you mentioned you mentioned about controversy and uh to, to my understanding this album is his most controversial and and the and a few of these songs are the really standout songs that makes Eminem almost seem psychopathic. And that mm-hmm. kind of reminds me of the skit, the Paul Rosenberg skit, where mm-hmm. he's basically, he leaves a voicemail for Eminem and says like, yo, uh, about this album, uh, you know what, never mind, hangs up the phone because he, he knew that like this was, this there was a huge risk with this album <clears throat> because it might not be commercially acceptable. But the fact that he took mm. this album and he made it so controversial, it helped him. It helped him skyrocket into fame that he did not have previous to this. Yeah, I don't know how impactful his last album was to this one. And it's a good um, album. I don't know. You have you heard it? Yeah, that was one of the first albums I heard, the uh Slim Shady LP. Right. One of the first albums in my life, one of the first rap albums in it. Hearing it as a kid, it it was almost a little, like, scarring certain things. Like, because, you know, he has sound effects and he does weird things and a lot of the things are sexual and you don't understand them. And I can right. honestly say some of, the, <laughs> some of the things I heard, again, when I heard back this album and just hear, thinking about it when I first heard it as a kid, just, like, th- thinking about how the awkwardness of how I felt hearing some of these, especially some of the skits later in the album yeah man yeah yeah for sure yeah dude um the next song who knew who knew do you remember this i never knew i knew i knew i did you like that song you know what i do like it um you know i i oftentimes look at albums and how they how they start and how they end and i think once again one of those things where i think the first half of the album is stronger than the last half of the album mm. and, and i don't know if that's on yeah. purpose maybe because the the latter half of the album gets way more personal and it mm-hmm. gets way more just like well more of the singles are on the first half of the album but this but yeah who knew great mm-hmm. song you got any opinions yeah. i don't know if you felt this uh this way about it but when i was listening to it some of some of the the cadences and the rhyme schemes it reminded me of chance and i'm not comparing the two i'm just saying it reminded me of of, of uh acid raps some songs that came out on acid raps and as far mm. as the the rhyme scheme goes and i don't know if if eminem what played a factor in you know Chance's could be something style. about the midwest man just something about the yeah. proximity of detroit and chicago and how you know stylistically mm-hmm. i mean they're not, i'm not comparing the two right chicago's been this totally on a different thing right now but maybe at that time uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised if Chance the Rapper had influence from Eminem. It's it's really hard to to be Eminem because no one sounds yeah. like him. But to take little tits tits and pieces, yeah, I could definitely understand where you're coming from. That fast that fast paceness that you hear in acid rap a lot of the time. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, that that was something uh, for that particular song that that really stood out to me. The production definitely does. It sounds like it on site. It sounds like Dre. Mm-hmm. of that particular era mm-hmm. so that was dope that was dope um i don't i don't even remember the steve berman skit dude i do i think it's one of the for me it's something super memorable just because i mean he the the guy trashed the album and steve yeah. uh steve berman 
You know, it's so interesting. I wonder if these skits are real. Like, uh, I mean, if they're not, I'm who cares? You think they're real? You think these skits are legit? Oh, um, well, no. But I, I thought that, that, that those were the real people. Oh, yeah, yeah those are the real talking. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. of course, you know what? What am I even saying? Of course they're fake. But still, just to paint that picture of, like, Steve Berman saying, like, hey, this album is, is nothing. It's not going to sell. Uh, Tower, you know, Tower Records told me to shove this record up my ass. And then Eminem's like, but, but. And then Steve Berman's like, I can't sell this shit. And then, and then right after that song, it goes straight into the most fire track on yep. the whole album. And the way the I beat am. doesn't change. The beat doesn't really change. Obviously, the chorus comes in, and you know you got the bells coming in. It's such a theatrical song, uh, and I was piano. doing push-ups when I was here in this joint. And I tell you, I tell you, man, that I, <laughs> I was yo. Pushing, th- this one bro. to me is the Jim Eminem song, not "Lose Yourself." Yep. This one right here is the one where it's like Ooh. I feel a little, I feel a little bit of uh, you know adrenaline surging through me as I hear this, and yeah. You know, it's a song about judgment, right? Like, I almost feel like uh, a lot of his his theme is about judgment, but this song in particular is about people judging him, people uh, not being, like, you know, wanting distance, wanting to be himself, and and just, you know, the song is his way of kind of repenting against that and showing his his, his angst about it, and it's just beautiful, Mm -hmm. man. And and you know what? You know, I swear this particular... freaking song i swear it could be a a soundtrack I don't, I don't know if it was a soundtrack of any movie but this mm-hmm. this song is the the story of the main character you know what i mean of any main character the triumph <laughs> yeah and you know what's funny about the song is they have that lyrics radio won't even play my jam and like yeah. i remember this one was pretty heavily played on the radio <laughs> oh yeah for sure for sure that that's the only place i heard it <laughs> yeah exactly man and what's even funnier about this song is what he follows it with. And it's yeah, the silliest man. song, one of the silliest songs to ev- rap songs to ever come out, probably next to Bitch I'm a Cow, but one of the <laughs> silliest rap songs ever, bro. Um and this was the one if I if I remember correctly, the music video is just all these blonde-headed dudes with a wife beater on, right? Yeah, you know the song stylistically kind of reminds me of a track on his last album which was my name is and uh mm-hmm. and he does this every album yeah. this guy has some kind of really playful really punching at pop culture uh mm-hmm. type of vibe and that that really goes viral and and for this album in particular it was mm-hmm. this track but yeah super i mean spectacular job of the transition from just how serious the last track was the way I am going into the real Slim Shady. Mm-hmm. And I, I I feel like this is where y- your interest in the album tapers off after this track. No. Maybe. No? But maybe it tapers off for. You know what? Because I doubt you like the next song, Remember Me, with RBX and Sticky Fingers. I doubt you like that. I mean, you got to be yeah. a golden age. Yeah, purist. Yeah, I I, really I like thought it song. was I thought it was like some uh, discount Busta Rhymes that was on mm. the song when I heard it. And you know what? A Sticky Fingers hit that same flow that Method Man did. You know the competitor whatever. 
You know what I mean? Like he he started hitting that flow, and I was like, damn, who did that flow first? It's got to be Meth. It's got to be Meth. Oh, I don't course, even remember. Dude. I dude, no one knows who Sticky Fingers and uh, RBX are. And a wait, was Sticky Fingers on uh, Def Jam Fight for New York? I think. <laughs> oh, dude, he's uh, okay. Okay, was he the? Okay. You know he what? He was the antagonist, right? I've never heard him by himself, but yeah. on Onyx, I mean. To feature him made a lot of sense just mm-hmm. because uh, Onyx as a group, you know, they really pioneered this kind of sound, this kind of horror core yeah. type of sound. So that was mm-hmm. cool. But yeah, I, I never, I mean, I would have preferred if they just had the whole group on there. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I wasn't really messing with Remember Me, just, I don't even know what type of track that <laughs> that was intended for. Um, the song then the next song that you know what's I funny is i remember you said uh, hey we're not gonna go track by track and look where we are bro we're going track by track well before you cut me off <laughs> i was about to skip all of these tracks and go right into the song that every 90s rap album had was a skit and guess what that is a skit that has a blowjob in it. Every 90s rap album had a blowjob uh, skit. You're talking about Ken Caniff? Yeah. And every time I hear it, I skip it immediately. That, sh- that makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah. I hate that he did that, but it's funny that he did, but I hate that he did it. <laughs> yeah. That, that is... Uh, and well, that's Ken the shit that me Wait, wait. That's funny. Ken Caniff is uh, one of the members of uh, Insane Clown Posse. And oh, for real? I hear yeah, him, yeah. yeah. I, he dissed those fools heavy oh, in this for sure. album. For sure. And you know what's know crazy? About that you know what? They're also from Detroit. Did you know that? That mm. ICP is from Detroit? Um, no research on them. Dude, at that time, St. Cloud Posse was huge, man. Like, they were doing Woodstock. Uh, they had mm. the jig. I, I, I think they're called the, the, the Jiggle. I mean, dude. They Jigglos, have a, yeah. It's the Jigglos, right? It was the or Jigglos. Juggalos. Or the Juggalos. Juggalos. I don't know, bro. If it's the Jiggalo or the Juggalo I've or the Jaggalo. But um, they had a huge fan base. Uh, very. And uh, yeah, the song is very disturbing. It's, uh, well, I mean, <laughs> it just depends on your sexual orientation. But the song is basically Ken Caniff getting a blowjob and then uh, mm. him. T- I don't know by like multiple guys and it, well I don't it, know what the uh, point yeah. of that was was this for. album has a lot of homophobic tendencies like a ton so many is references. that homophobic well you know what I think it is Dude, man in, in the 90s gay jokes were were the were everything <laughs> you know what I mean especially for at least most kids growing up just you you say anything is gay you know what I mean right. Right. So. <laughs> no, of course. I'm just saying at the time. Uh, yeah. It, you know what? It took a Tyler, the creator. It took a yep. Tyler, the creator to really uh, open up the spectrum of what's considered mm. acceptable in hip hop. Yeah. And I did. I did think about Tyler as I was listening to this album. Um, The way that they yeah. tackle the issues with the family. You know, what I mean, with Tyler, it's mainly his right. dad and stuff. Um, right and just that absurdness I mean, that absurdness of willing to go in a direction where you put the listeners on a very 
uncomfortable journey is something mm-hmm. that I think Tyler, the creator, might have been inspired by Eminem to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Man, we'll, we'll get into that um, after this one. But okay. let's talk about Bitch Please Part 2. Let's talk about it, man. Yeah, I all-star <laughs> roster. All-star roster. Yeah, but bro. not an all-star song for me. I'm really? just saying. Yeah. In this album or in general? Like as no, far in as general. West? It's just it's just in terms of like Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Exhibit, yeah. Nate Dogg, and Eminem. Yeah. Uh it just the expectations are so high for that. I mean, I don't know, Exhibit's not really you know, I knew that guy from a from a car TV show. But um, you tell me he didn't snap though. Tell me he ain't snap on this one. No, he has a tendency too. I mean, the guy was a legit West Coast rapper, and and you know that's cool. That's actually something that I want that I thought about is uh because of his alliance with Dr. Dre, he was yep. so much more uh in the discussion being geared towards more towards a West Coast hip hop cat as opposed to an East Coast hip hop cat, even though he's from Detroit. Right, right, yeah. Uh, corrupt and exhibit are. The most famous West Coast rappers not from the West Coast. <laughs> hmm. You, you know yeah, where is Exhibit from? Yeah, where is where are they from? Oh, Exhibit's from Detroit. The Exhibit's from Detroit. Okay. Yeah. The corrupt. I think he's from the South or something. I don't even know. Yeah, but, yeah, man. But yeah, no. I mean, dude, this this freaking track, dude. And then Nate Dog on the hook. Well, that guy never disappoints. Nate Dog on the hook. Always right, good, right. even if the track isn't good. Right, and and the the thing, anytime Eminem and anytime Dr. Dre puts Eminem and Exhibit on a song, it's always fire. I've never heard a bad song where Eminem and Exhibit is on it. Well, name more than two. Hey, that's one hundred percent. As far as I'm concerned, that <laughs> there's no miss. That's a hit and a hit. You know what right. I mean? Um, but the. But that particular song, it really brings me back when I hear it, and it reminds me of of that of that time frame. I mean, do you remember the movie The Wash with Dr. Dre and Snoop? Oh man, I haven't seen that uh, in so and long. Eminem, and Eminem was in that movie too, and that came out a year after the release of this album, and around the time of of Dr. Dre, uh, the Chronic Two Thousand One came out, and and I that mean, movie was ridiculous, the, bro. The score of that movie. Yeah. Sounds just like 2001 and the Marshall Mathers LP. And and again, I don't know. I, I haven't heard the score other than right, watching right, it no, live. I, I, I watched a couple clips on YouTube of the wash after. Just I, I just missed that. It's, it's one of those silly, silly movies. You know, what I mean, Snoop still does silly movies like that with Wiz and stuff. You know? Yeah. Uh, where is that thing filmed? I think I used to live by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might have. Yeah. I think the filming location was in South Central, mm. and it's, I remember. It's gotta be because yeah, and I used to live right by that. I mean, if it's if it's still, I mean, for all I know, it could be a totally different wash. But there are a lot of car washes in South Central, probably because guys <laughs> need to clean up their shit after jacking a car. Hey, that part, you know, what I mean, after after a little lick, hitting <laughs> you know some licks, you need an alibi. Yo, my car was at the wash. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. But yeah, I, I like that song for that. It's super nostalgic. Uh, yeah, man. Love it. And it goes right into one of the more emotional oh, songs 
I I got as I was listening to it, I almost wanted to stop it because it I was like, Jesus, this is a vulnerable ass song. And so I, I stuck in there just so I can have something to, to say about it. But if honestly that that song was deep. That song really hit. You, you, yeah, he and, talks and, about and, and Kim the same is ex, is Kim his ex girlfriend? Just let's just clarify that. His ex, Who is Kim? His baby mama, his wife, ex wife, his baby yeah. mama. Yeah, yeah. You know Haley's mom. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. I think so, uh, dude. So this, let's just give the readers uh, a little picture of what's going on. So Eminem has a song called Kim where he takes Kim to an unspecified location <laughs> and basically uh, is planning to do a double suicide homicide with her. And she starts screaming for mercy. And mm-hmm. Eminem makes fun of her because they're in the middle of nowhere. And he starts screaming for mercy anyways. Mm-hmm. And so... And then he plans how he's going to kill her, whether he decapitates her, slashes her throat. Yeah. Um, it's a very disturbing song, and, and, and by far, to me, one of the most hate, like songs just filled with hatred in all of mm-hmm. hip-hop in general. And, and yeah, I mean, listening to this, listening to this is not very pleasurable of an experience but for some for some reason this song always comes up whenever people talk about songs you listen to after going through a breakup i'm i hope not bro i really hope not because i remember (laughs) i remember google i remember going on youtube after my first major breakup and like youtubing songs to listen to like hip-hop songs and this song is always at the top but no way i don't know man yeah for sure damn i was listening to key sweat after a breakup that's that's my oh well i mean you know we handle things differently (laughs) Yeah, man, that that one. These last songs, um, well, the under the influence song with D twelve. Yeah, listen, listening to that, it reminded me of the albums that came after. He really, you started doing a lot more music with D twelve afterwards, and and part of me feels like, you know, for him, D twelve rapping with D twelve is is might have been one of his you know greatest joys at the time. You know, what I mean, it's one of the only times where. Well, not the only times, because obviously he's silly, you know, in other songs, but he, right. him messing around with the boys on a rap song, you know what I mean? It's just, I love listening to that, just to that energy, you know what I mean? Especially all D12, they all come with that same energy of, I'm going to do this to you, to your mom, to your wife, you know what I mean? I'm going to call my dad, a, you know, homosexual, <laughs> you know, slurs, you know right. what I mean? Just that energy. It's, it's funny. It's silly. Yeah, I mean... D12, uh, what's interesting is I think D12 maybe inspired Eminem to actually have his own record label, like Shady Entertainment mm. or Shady Records, just yeah. because he knew he wanted to sign artists in Detroit mm-hmm. that had uh, what I guess he was trying to form a Detroit sound at that time. Very mm-hmm. guttery, very harsh, very yeah. f- street, very fight music. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's a song by D12. Um but I don't know. I never felt like Shady Records really popped off. I mean, is Tech Nine maybe the biggest artist that they've ever had? Yeah, it's gotta be. It's yeah. gotta be. I honestly don't know any other artists on, you know, Shady Records. The only thing well, I it's know, like Obi Trice, 
D12 oh, yeah, of course, proof of course, was sure. on it. Tech, probably a couple Brother Lynch. I would think that Brother Lynch Hunt is probably on it too. I have no clue. Right, right. It, and and so probably I don't know that because that's not even my scene. I think that their yeah. particular scene, they're heavy in it. Yeah. Like yeah. I only listen to Obi Trice. That's about it. No yeah, name, and, no and I'm not a I'm Real not a fan. No I'm not a yeah. fan of horrorcore in general, like Grave Diggers and uh, Onyx and uh, <clears throat> it's just it's I feel like it's so tryhard. A lot of the mm. a lot of the horrorcore. But you know I respect mm-hmm. it because these guys probably have a lot of yeah. uh, fascination with the the occult and with um <laughs> with movies like you know, yeah. classic horror movies. So I get it, but it's just sonically it's just not the type of thing I really get into and and mm-hmm. Eminem is kind of where that line is drawn for me as far as enjoying this type of hip hop and yeah. and not diving into it's, it at all. It's interesting, man. I mean, as far as the lyrical content of Eminem music, for the most part, I mm. I can't say I gravitate towards his lyrics or anything like that. But anytime he's rapping, it's it always grabs my attention. I mean, he had a he was rapping a little bit on the wash. You know what I mean? Right. I got a motherfucking Glock and I'm coming on your motherfucking block. You know what I mean? And he's yelling and stuff like yeah. that. And that for some reason that's hard. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe those kind of lyrics only sound dope a cappella. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe, yeah. but as far as making a whole song out of it, yeah, sure. I guess it is try hard, as you put it. You know what I mean? It's yeah, it's it's awkward to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, man. For me, the the album as a whole, song some songs that stand out to me is "Kill You," "Stan," uh, and "The Way I Am" and "Bitch Please Too." Those two were were my my highlights. I I could put those in some playlists. You know what I mean? Um, gym playlists for sure um and and the cool thing about those songs is actually one thing about the whole album um if i can just talk about how it sounded Mm -hmm. um we are so conditioned in today's music for heavy 808s and this song i felt it was lacking and and I'm not saying it does lack, but I but I am saying in most people's speaker systems, we're talking about a car, just some regular old headphones. Um, you don't really get to enjoy this music, I think, from what I think Dr. Dre intended you to. Because again, he mixes it at super loud volumes, which isn't practical for people. Um, and this in this music, I think he intended to mix it to be able to sound good in the club. And that's why the music sounds clean, you know. Each sound doesn't have a doesn't have much of a tail end. Like especially if we were to talk about that "Kill You" song, where we were just talking about how it kind of stutters. Whereas with 808s, it goes ooh ooh ooh. There's always a frequency playing at every single moment when you got 808s going because it's got a tail to it. And so hearing this song, a big part of me felt like it was missing a body, but I don't think it is. I'm just saying today, the music that we hear today, there's there's a lot of meat going on, you know, at at, at every moment uh, as far as the production goes. Yeah, I mean, the, I I actually don't agree. And the reason I mm-hmm. don't agree is because I think this album, you, you got to think about this, right? What was the average consumer in the year 2000 using to listen to music <laughs> this was a uh, transitionary the, period where it was going from 
cassette and vinyl and, and CDs mm. were becoming the primary, right? Think yeah. about this. CDs themselves are very high quality, but the kind of headphones people had, these cheap right. clunks of plastic that people were yeah. you know were wearing this the punchiness of the bass as opposed to you know a, a hard hitting 808s works mm-hmm. well because these songs work well enough to where if i wanted to play this off my phone speaker it would be totally acceptable because the the music is sonically very clean and so it doesn't have you know so much distortion going on, and that even works mm-hmm. well with Eminem's vocal range as well, because his mm-hmm. vocal range is one that just sits on top of everything, uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to really being part of the song. It really mm-hmm. just there's the song, and then there's Eminem, pretty much, blastering the song. Yeah, right, right. The one thing that we that I I think. And, and I say it felt like it was missing that, that body to it was because, and here's the key factor, is nowadays a lot of our music has a lot of sub-frequencies. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that adds to that meat that I was trying to describe earlier. In this, mm-hmm. you have acoustic bass, you know what I mean? And then your kick drum, like you said, you can hear it. You can hear the kick on if you're playing it on a phone, if you're playing it on your laptop speakers. Or or something as or those cheap headphones that they used to use back in the two thousands that would come with your Sony Walkman, you know what I mean? Those weren't high fidelity headphones, you know what I mean? Um, and so, for sure, this was probably one of the best sounding songs, uh, uh, best sounding albums of that era, you know? Um, right. But but maybe I'm just spoiled now with the music that's that's uh, going on today. Um, but yeah, I I felt like there's just something missing to it, and but that was just the style of, you know, the music back then. Yeah, man. So many. Uh, what I love is uh, just Dr. Dre's propensity to use instruments that just are so non-traditional in hip hop, like the chime, like the bell, like the gong, um, like the glockenspiel. Like this guy is going through an assortment <laughs> of instruments that just like are so unorthodox for hip hop and yet mm. because Eminem is so unorthodox it, it's mm. it's such a nice combination and there really is you know not saying Dr. Dre is not a phenomenal rapper himself but like the as far as producer rapper duos go i mean mm. Eminem and Dr. Dre is really as good as of a relationship as as good of like symbiosis between two beings of of musicality go in terms of just how well they click man they do and whenever i think about that duo you know one of the there's so many other songs that were on other albums that that were a dr dre eminem collab that i want to talk about (laughs) just because i don't know that them two together like who'd have who'd have thought you know what i mean like very j- best. I mean, it is, it I mean, is, a, man. A, a Dr. Dre, you know his his production shines. His production truly shines the most on this mm-hmm. record. I give him that. Yeah, and and I and I do think just it was all perfect timing, man. It was just a it was just a perfect storm, you know. Jimmy Iovine discovering Eminem and bringing him to Dre. I mean, he could have brought yeah. Eminem to anybody. He literally could have brought Eminem mm-hmm. to anybody. Um, right. Or. Or Dr. Dre could have easily written him off for just being white. You know yeah, I mean? let's let's get into that. Let's end it on 
you know, the elephant in the room. Eminem's the fact that he is white. Yeah. Um, I thought about this. What I thought about was did that help his career or did mm. or was that detrimental towards his career? And, and this was my consensus. My consensus is that on one hand, he was white and that made him different. So mm. he stood out. So when when consumers of hip hop, which are primarily Caucasian, see a white rapper, it makes them so much more geared and drawn into this scrawny looking wife beater with a uh, with a giant sweatpants. Uh, sweatpants and a backwards <laughs> visor. I mean, he had a real street type look to him. And that was gravitating and his image was gravitating. His look was gravitating because he looked so different. At the same time, I think there are a lot of people in hip hop when they talk about who the goats are of hip hop. Yes, Eminem has been mentioned frequently in a lot of Mount Rushmore's. But if I was to compare this to basketball, uh, he's like Shaq. That's the only way I can say it. He's been dominant for so long in the industry and hip hop. He's always there. Um, but he's never going to be considered one of the best. And in, in terms of like a a top four. But he's been dominant for so long. And mm-hmm. and it's hard to argue against that. And, and he's so fast of a, of, a, of a rapper. So he relies <laughs> on the speed. He relies on his ability to storytell. And he relies on his very unique production to catapult him into the conversations of who are some of the best rappers of all time. Hmm. He relies on his speed. I don't know if I can agree with that, man. I mean, that, that might have been a new thing, honestly. I mean, again, right. I, I really don't listen to Eminem nowadays. But it's like, think about a guy like Eminem who has mastered the craft of rap. Right. And... Where else can he go? He's hit every style already in the 90s that, that you could already think of. And then obviously f- fast rapping ain't a new thing, but you mix fast you mix a Twister style rapping with mm-hmm. an Eminem rhyme scheme and you get rap god. You get Eminem, you know what I mean? You get those multi, I don't even know the technical term for it, but having two rhymes in one line and then offsetting rhymes, you know, as they go, I'm sure somebody already dissected this on YouTube, you know what I mean? But you you take that and that's where he's at right now. That's where naturally where you go if you rap your whole life and and master a particular craft. Um right. and I don't want to I can't say that, you know, he's relying on it. I mean, I don't even think he's trying to um be anything other than better than before and that and this is where he landed <laughs> no the you know? dude the dude the way he treats hip-hop is a craft and, and and it's amazing it's almost like every time i hear eminem it's like i'm watching floyd mayweather yeah when he's boxing yeah. it's like the dude has studied the craft so well right. to know every single intricacy of how to mm-hmm. deliver a rhyme i i'm able when i'm when i talk about eminem i'm able to separate the the craftsmanship with the act with the art that he makes with that craft you know what i mean right um i'd pay to watch eminem rap battle people acapella right 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 um and that's and that helped him his his as you mentioned his rap battle career made a huge influence on why he's so good yeah for sure you know rap battling myself growing up i know for a fact has really helped my rapping 
tenfold. Oh, I didn't you know? even know you rap, dude. Dude, I yeah, I grew up in middle school uh, rap battling, bro. Literally, like, people, you know, crowding around the lunch table and, you know, just making fun of some dude that was and keep in mind in middle school i was four foot five four foot eight at most and i'm uh, rapping you know i'm rapping against these big old you know these dudes probably twice my size at the time um but but i was getting it bro you know i, I miss those yeah, days man man middle school for me was literally real battles like real dudes fighting outside the locker room and people putting money on who's going to win. I mean, Damn. people willing to put up to $5, bro, like up to Damn. $5, $7. You're, so you're telling me 12-year-olds were betting? Oh, for sure. For Jeez. sure, bro. Whatever lunch money you had, bro, that was you would bet on the on the guy who you think is going to win the fight. And oh, uh yeah, we didn't really do battle rap. We did we did actual <laughs> fights in middle school. Mind you, I yeah. went to a middle school with uniforms, too. I don't think oh, that did that's, anything. <laughs> that's usually where it happens, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, man. All right. Any any last, you know, thoughts about the album? Anything you want to, you know, say about it? You want to trash it? You want to, you know, yeah, support yeah, I'll, it? Yeah, I'll say this. Uh, next month is going to be the actual 10-year anniversary of Recovery. If you guys, the listeners, want to see us review Recovery, which in many ways was considered Eminem's triumphant comeback album, especially when he got great artists such as Rihanna, if you want to see that, leave us a comment below. And we also want to know what you guys think of the album as well. I mean, we give our opinions, but our opinions don't mean much in current, compared to the grand scheme of all his listeners. We want to know... You know, if, is there any classic albums you want us to review? Is there anything you thought about this album that we didn't touch on that you want to talk about? You know, we always respond back to comments, so that that would be well appreciated. And you know what? If you're going to be listening to this album, make sure you share this too with anybody that's going to be listening to it with you. Yes, sir. On that note, let's close this. Come chat with us. Hit the comment section. Tell us what you think of the album. Tell us what you think about what we thought about the album. And we'll see you next time. Rap Geeks. Peace out. Peace.